have to flip it on for it to work. You might have noticed a theme so far today, um, and it was really encapsulated well in the song we just sang. Uh, We are starting a sermon series today. uh, For the four weeks of September, we're going to be doing uh, this Get Connected series. And uh, today we're going to be talking about getting connected with God's plan. And so we'll talk about that today. Um, The next few weeks, we're going to be looking at God's new life that he's given us to live God's gift of family, and God's people, uh, these gifts that God's given us to get connected with. And uh, we're going to be going through the book of Ephesians together as we do that. So we're in Ephesians 1 mostly today, and we'll kind of be working through there. It's very popular today uh, to think about God's plans for me or God's plans for my life. Uh, You might hear people talk about that, or maybe you've talked about that yourself, It can be a little bit of an elusive concept at times, Uh, so we're going to examine that a bit today, as well as talk about the plans that God wants to work uh, not only uh, for us, but also through us. Um, So in the book of Ephesians, Paul helps us to understand both of these things and keep them in their proper perspective, and we'll see just how important this is as we seek to live our lives for Jesus. So uh, plans are a very important thing to have. Um, in pretty much every aspect of our lives, whether you're putting together a vacation or or plotting out the schedule for your day or working on a group project at at school or at your job, uh, plans are vital to making things turn out the way they're supposed to. Imagine if the future Girls of Grace had gotten up and danced without having gone to the workshop, without having learned the song at all, without having worked on the, the choreography that Mrs. Nichterlein and maybe some others on that song, I don't know, planned so very carefully. They would have kind of ended up looking like me when I tried to dance if they had done that. But thankfully, uh, they followed the plan and they did a very nice job. And we look forward to, to the rest of the girls dancing later. Another example of the importance of planning are these, uh, these building plans that were presented at our congregation's town hall meeting back in June. Um, this is the proposed facility with the, the new Welcome Center there, and then a space for Connect Worship to call its own. Um, and so we're working on that, and we're very excited about it. Um, it wouldn't go very well if we didn't have any plans, uh, these and especially the more detailed architectural drawings that are in the works right now. Uh, without those, we'd end up with you know, bathrooms without doors, or, uh, or even worse, without toilets. Uh, staircases that lead nowhere, we would have been breaking every fire code in the book. Plans are, are very important. And so without a good plan in place, disaster can strike in all sorts of ways, as um, this poor woman found out the hard way. <laughs> I've seen that so many times on repeat, and it gets me every time. <laughs> I'll remove the distraction. Sometimes, though... Even when we plan really well, things don't go the way they're supposed to. This past week, for example, um, I knew I was going to have a crazy busy week. I was putting together the final details for the sermon series. Uh, With the Capital Campaign, we're doing some work. I had several different projects. I knew it was going to be hectic, but I felt confident that I had planned out everything perfectly uh, so that I could get everything done without any issues. But just like Robert Burns said in his famous poem, the best laid plans of mice and men, you know, oft go astray. Yeah, there's a few different uh, 
translations from the old English there. But yeah, this proved true for me when on Tuesday morning in the office, my phone rang and it was my lovely wife informing me that uh, there were at least 20 yellow jackets flying around in our master bedroom. Yeah. So uh, my careful planning for the week was totally discombobulated by this infestation of these ruthless airborne insects that decided that our home should be their home. So my good friend and neighbor and uh, Connect Sound technician, not today, but uh, Gary Denzer came over to help me out and together, woefully outnumbered, we entered the fray. When the carnage had come to an end, there were, by my estimation, at least 100 dead yellow jackets lying slain on the battlefield of our bedroom floor. And after a trip up to the attic a few nights later, I sprayed their nest to kingdom come with malice in my heart. <laughs> but not before they had stolen, I don't know, several hours from my already hectic week. Our plans don't always materialize the way that we wish they would. Sometimes when this happens, it can be annoying, like when you have yellow jackets buzzing in or around your house. Sometimes it can be absolutely devastating. Like when you and your spouse try and try to have children and nothing seems to be happening. Or like when cancer or a chronic illness comes at you like a thief in the night and then slowly and painfully eats away at your health and your strength. Or at a time when, when death takes away someone that you love far too soon. In a very real way, all of this can be traced back to Genesis 3 when the sin and the death that we brought into the world utterly broke it and everything changed. All of a sudden, God's beautifully and wondrously planned creation began to fall apart, muddied and messed up by our own sin. At that moment, it appeared as if God's perfect plans had gone horribly awry and nothing could make things right again. Unless we think that this event has nothing to do with our lives today, God quickly makes it clear to us over and over again, in fact, in his word, that we too have played an active role in the undoing of God's good plans for his creation. Not only does Adam and Eve's guilt dwell within us as a hereditary disease, but we ourselves have done things that are in direct conflict with God's good purposes. Our own plans so often stand in the way of God's good plans, whether it comes in the form of, of trying to undermine the reputation of a rival, scheming our way to financial and professional success at the expense of others, prioritizing our time so that God gets the leftovers, strategizing about whom we should hang out with or how we should treat people so that others see us as, as cool or, or fashionable. In Ephesians, the book we're working through together now, Paul describes this way of living. And in fact, he says that it's not living at all. As for you, he says, you were dead, dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Paul's saying that all of us, every single one of us here today, were spiritually dead by nature objects of the wrath of God. Things were not going according to plan. But, Paul says, and this is an incredibly important but, but because of his great love for us, 
God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. You see, just when it looked like all the world had literally gone to hell, and I don't mean that in a vulgar way, that's really where everything was headed, including us. Just when that was happening, God's holy plans were still at work. Just when it looked like his purposes had completely fallen to pieces, that was just the moment when they were ready to be fulfilled. So let's jump back now to, uh, to our reading in Ephesians 1. Um, we've tried a little bit to, uh, to make the lighting a little better to read. Could we, is there something we could do to get the lights a little higher for people? If, if you have your Bibles with you, even better if you have a smartphone or an app. If you're, if you're able to, to do that, uh, join together with me in, in Ephesians 1. Hopefully that'll help a little bit. Um, but uh, we're going to be looking at... Perfect. Thank you, Scott. We're going to be looking at um, Ephesians chapter 1, and I want you to notice how purposefully and deliberately God accomplishes his plan. In verse 4, Paul says that God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, not dead in our transgressions, but alive in Christ. In verse 5, Paul says that God lovingly predestined us to be adopted as his children, sons and daughters, which means that from the very beginning, God's plan was for our salvation. Then we get to verse 9, which is kind of going to operate as our theme verse for today. It's in your, uh, your service folder in the sermon notes there. Verse 9, Paul says, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. With what brilliant planning and single-minded purpose God has saved us through Christ Jesus. As Paul says, as he goes on in verse 11, we are his according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Now the Greek that's translated as works out everything here is Energuntas. It's the word that we get our word energy from. Paul is saying that, uh, that God energizes everything to conform to his ultimate will. That means nothing, not sin, not death, not even Satan himself can stand in the way of the good and gracious plans God has for his people. They keep going and going and going. And so, as you have uh, there in your sermon outline today, God's story is front and back eternal. So Paul uh, bolsters this idea for us in our reading today. What I mean by that is uh, we often think of something that's eternal as something that will never end, something that has no end. In its truest sense, eternity actually not only has no end, which is hard enough for us to wrap our minds around, something that's eternal also has no beginning. And so God's really the only one that, that actually fits this definition, along with his plans and his purposes for his creation. As we already read, God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world. This is impossible for us to fully understand, but what it means is that there was never a time when God did not have everything figured out. There was never a time when God was not planning to save us and make us his own. And his eternal plans are eternal on both ends, front and back. As Paul says in verse 10, they will be put into full effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment. 
Now, God's purposes are entirely at work in you right now as his spirit dwells in you. But the spirit is also and especially a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the day that Jesus returns and God's plans will be brought to their grand consummation. The day when all things in heaven and on earth will be brought together under one head, Christ himself. And there will be no end to the glory that we will share God's story and the story of his people is front and back, eternal. Last year, as we read through the story together, as a congregation and as a community, we saw this quite a bit as we compared the lower story that we see with God's upper story, where he is always at work, meticulously accomplishing his merciful and gracious will. In everything and at every time, God is working. One way that I've heard people talk about this is to say that God is always working, quote, behind the scenes. Now, in one sense, that's the perfect way to describe it, because God is always working and and doing things that that we can't quite see, or, or at least that we don't recognize. But in a way, saying that God works behind the scenes is inadequate. It's not enough. Because it it describes God almost like a stagehand or or at best a puppet master that controls every aspect of a performance. But what Paul drives home again and again for us today is that God did not choose to orchestrate his plans like a divine clockmaker or, or by pulling strings, but by himself taking center stage in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus stole the show when he entered the fray woefully outnumbered and put to death everything that stood in the way of us dwelling with him. Listen to how Paul reminds us of that again and again today in our reading. He says, God chose us in him, that is in Christ, verse 4. We are adopted as his children through Jesus Christ, verse 5. We've been given grace freely in the one he loves, that's Jesus, verse 6. God purposed his holy will in Christ, verse 9. He will bring all things under one head, even Christ. Now, he's not saying even Christ will be put under one head. He's saying the one head will be Christ himself. That's verse 9, or verse 10. In him, Paul says, we were chosen. We are included in Christ for our salvation. Now, this is all in, in 11 verses here. And so we begin to see... That when we think of God's plan for me, it's really not about me at all. It's about Christ in me. And if we can look at it this way, this transforms how we understand the nature of God's plans for our lives. It's not so much about discovering whether God wants me to marry this girl or that girl, or or whether God wants me to, to buy this house or that house, or take this job or that job. God definitely gives us some guidance in those decisions, certainly. But it's, it's about uh, how God has, has made us part of, of his bride, the church. How God has made us a part, of, a part of his home to work in his kingdom together. And so above all, God's plans are about what Christ has done and continues to do for me. As he's claimed me in baptism, as he claimed Nash just a few minutes earlier as he feeds me with his own body and blood and communion, as he teaches me daily with his word. Getting connected with God's plan means making sure that our lives are saturated with the gospel, that everything we do, 
or say or even think is in line with Jesus' cross and resurrection. And so when we read verses like Jeremiah 29.11, a very popular, well-known verse, we understand that it is not saying that God's greatest desire is for us to be happy in this life, contrary to what Joel and Victoria Osteen might have you to believe. Uh, it's been in the news this week, actually. I remind you of Vicar Polzine's message last week, actually, to set uh, that way of thinking in its proper place. But rather, you know, Jeremiah 29 is so much, so much grander than that. It is a stunning prophetic foreshadowing of the incredible rescue that God has enacted through Jesus Christ. And this helps us to see that, that God's plan for me has a huge impact on God's plan through me. When we realize that we are in Christ in every way, we also realize that God's desire is for us to be instruments of hope to the world. Paul picks up on this a lot more in chapter 3 of Ephesians, where he says that God's will is to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, and catch this part, through the church, now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are the church. We are designed for the praise of God's glory. And his plan is to make that glory known through us. And so God's plan through me is accomplished first through what I say. As the hope-filled people of God, chosen by him on purpose before the creation of the world, God has put mouths on our faces so that they can speak of the death and resurrection of Jesus, so that they can share and proclaim and sing about and sound forth the glory of a God who loved us before time began and has brought us redemption and forgiveness and grace upon grace. Go out this week and make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery of God that he's revealed to you and through you in Christ Jesus. And as you do that, let his plan be seen through how you live as well. Because believe it or not, people pay attention to even the little things that you do. How you choose to spend your money, the choices you make in music or, or TV or movies, the way you use social media, the way you handle stress. Is the sacrificial love of Christ embodied in how you treat other people? Does your everyday life declare the grand plan of our loving God in everything that you do? These are tough questions, but ones that I think God wants us to take very seriously. And so next week, uh, we're going to focus in on this a little bit more closely, talk about some specific ways in which God is calling us to live the new life that he has given to us as part of his eternal purpose. In the meantime, let's go out from here and live with purpose, knowing that God's plan is for us to be his in all that we do and to make that known through us in everything. And as Paul ends his letter to the Ephesians, so I end my message today. Peace to the brothers and, and sisters, right, Don? Wherever she went. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen.